And we are back on the Fear and Trembling podcast, podcast of Hardwike Ministries. Boom. Boom. Yeah, where yeah, we, uh, yeah. <laughs> we as uh, Hardwike pastors um, read a book every month, and uh, the title of our podcast, Fear and Trembling, is that whole idea that Paul talks about of working out our salvation with fear and trembling, um, doing that together, right? Our... Uh, our lives are meant to to be lived together. We live in a world where uh, we really the world preaches individualism. Is that sure. can I get yeah. an amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. 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 Um, but man, God created us for community and mm-hmm. um, to be able to dialogue with each other, talk to each other, uh, agree and disagree with one another. I think that's that iron sharpens iron and uh, continues to be at the heart of our podcast. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm Aaron. I'm the pastor of Watershed. Next to me is... I'm Bill, the pastor at Celebration. I'm JB, pastor at Fusion. I'm Darren, the executive pastor. And if you want to keep up on what we're going to be reading and reflecting on in the coming months, you can go to fearandtremblingpodcast.com. Oh, wow. He he trembling. We now have real existence on the internet. Yes, we exist. Right. Yeah. We have value now. Google can find us. <laughs> oh, yeah. Google can find if us. If you have an official yeah. domain, you ooh, exist. To <laughs> see everyone... Uh, join the journey of being found. In there we go. Book. All right. That would be a right. long Where's our identity? Around. Guys, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, I think we did read a book this month. <laughs> we, did. we did. We did. We did. No, I want to take us back actually two months uh, two months ago, two podcasts ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we read a book by Peter Enns, uh, The Bible Tells Me So, and had a conversation. We, I think if I can reflect on that conversation really shortly is just we – we valued his his value for taking scripture seriously, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the questions that he kind of left us with is where where do you go right? Yeah. If you read this, where do I go? How do I better read the? It it, right. it didn't seem like he really helped in that light. Yeah, once you've blown up doing it badly, so how do you do it <laughs> goodly? <laughs> right. And so uh, that brought us to this month's book uh, by Dan Kimball, How Not to Read the Bible. And uh, the the subtitle, he, he gets at some of what Enns uh, was getting at, making sense of anti-women, anti-science, pro-violence, pro-slavery, and other crazy-sounding parts of Scripture. Right? He, he like Enns, takes the Bible seriously, um, doesn't want to skate over the tough things, mm-hmm. and... Uh, and uh, a book full of memes. <laughs> that, that was great. My favorite one is Jesus riding a dinosaur. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking for the t-shirt. I, I kind of like the unicorn personally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Too many episodes or uh, times watching Despicable Me and uh, one okay. of the, the okay. daughters yeah. and her love for unicorns. It's but. so fluffy. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so th- that brought us to this book by Dan Kimball to see if maybe Dan points us or helps us a little bit more possibly than ends. Um, So, because, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but not only is this a conversation for us, we want to make sure, too, we're giving listeners uh, books that will challenge their own thinking Mm -hmm. on things, um, but also maybe aid and help in their own journey with with God, trying to figure out where does God have a place in their life or what, you know. Mm -hmm. What does it mean? So, uh, Darwin, I'm going to pass it off to okay. you. Uh, 
facilitate our conversation. Okay. I'm going to try to uh, move this conversation around two or three different points um, in the book. So we'll see where we where we land. Um, I think a good summary um, of of the book is his own statement that the Bible was written for us and not to us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think we want to hold that before us because I think that's just a really clear statement. Um, mm-hmm. I like to say, for example, when I'm reading um, or working through the Pauline letters, um, we're actually reading other people's mail. And when yep. you're reading other sure. people's mail, um, it gets really tricky because you only have half the correspondence and you have to discern mm-hmm. what's missing. And if you discern what's missing wrong, then you're going to interpret what's wrong. Sure. So, um, so Inns comes in and basically says the Bible was written um, – for us and not to us, and we understand that. I think so. Kimball, Kimball, Kimball. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kimball. <laughs> and and, and, and points that out, but I, I'm just kind of. Right. Um, I'll just begin with this. How did you? How did you all feel like um, Kimball's approach different? Um, different from Enzo's. I mean, what what was similar? What was dissimilar? What what stood out to you? Well, for me, and I I really enjoyed this book, and would be happy to encourage a lot of folks to take it and read. I wish I'd had it much earlier in my life. I think uh, Kimball picks up and helps people navigate all the questions that ends raises mm-hmm. but doesn't answer mm-hmm. and only leaves you swinging. So I, okay. I I felt this was very helpful to to me and, and for other folks. Wish I'd had it. Okay. I think m- like my critique of ends was – very clearly laid out by Kim- Kimball. Yeah. Ends says, talks about the Bible being more of Israel's story. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, a story about Jesus. And then Paul, you know, but the overarching meta narrative of scripture, that overarching story being God's story. First and primarily, it's God's story before anything else. And Kimball just comes right out and says, yeah. the Bible is God's story. Right. And mm-hmm makes it clear and works from that standpoint always. So um, I think that, like Bill, this is one of those books that I would have no problem if somebody said, you get one shelf uh, mm-hmm. of <laughs> books, and I want you to recommend if, you know a shelf full. If I really want somebody to, I, I think in a very down-to-earth way, mm-hmm. learn how to, exegete scripture a little okay. bit. Okay. Um, so I, I really, I, I it, like it, Bill. It's very accessible. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, and I yeah. really like that about it. There's, it's going to show up in some sermons for me. <laughs> okay. That's the ultimate compliment. I'm stealing parts. <laughs> yeah, <you're right. laughs> yeah. I think yeah. him just practically working through specific passages yeah. and just showing how to use context in a way that helps enlighten understanding and and I, and I think, you know, as using, using our, and kind of pointing out the problem of using our own context to ask the wrong questions. And I think he used some parallels too, and I don't have mm-hmm. the examples of, of other, other, other ways that people would do that and shows how that's problematic. Um, if you ask the wrong questions, that, those aren't the questions the texts are trying to answer. And um, I, I find that really helpful. Yeah. I would happily recommend the book to somebody who's kind of on the outside of the circle of belief, but but wondering, because mm-hmm. it really takes those things uh, seriously, the questions they'd have. But I'd also recommend it to people who have been inside the circle of certainly mm-hmm. the faith in the church for so long, they just don't even have any idea of questions that are being asked. Right. And his the way he uses those internet memes mm-hmm. is 
just such a great open door to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Great for that. And and I think also he acknowledges there's still a tension. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. He, as he's not, like, pretending, like, context answers all of our questions and all of our wrestlings. He's like, there's still a tension here. Um, and I, I appreciated that honesty, uh, particularly at the, I think it was the last chapter that he, yeah. he really. I mean, at, at one point, he's kind of working through some specifics with a, a passage, and he says, and a seventh option would be. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, that that captures something, that right. there's some variability. We're, we're wrestling here with God and with his word. So, so he spends a lot of time talking um, about the authority of Scripture, and he says we're supposed to um, read Scripture literally. Um, I wrestled with that statement, um, basically because he never defines literal. I'm sorry the academic in me came out. <laughs> You're using that term. What exactly do you mean by that? Um, but in our contemporary culture, um, the word literal carries a wide range of, of meanings, um, and in— um, in the area of, of reader response criticism and those kinds of things, um, a literal reading isn't even possible um, because it gets lodged in the individual. So we talk about reading Scripture literally. What do we mean by that? What do you think he means by that? With the intent, with the intent of the author in mind. Okay. So when it's poetry, to read poetry literally is to read it as poetry. Mm-hmm. When it's teaching or didactic, you read it as that. When it's kind of a, a cultural overview or wisdom, you you take seriously the intent of the author rather than to press it in, which I would call wooden interpretation, right. Right. where you force it into right. your mold. Um, so when you know the trees clap their hands, you're not thinking that's a biological statement. You're recognizing that that's <laughs> Poetic metaphor, and it's beautiful if you've ever stood out in the forest in the wind. In the Lord of the Rings, trees do (laughs) clap clap their their hands. You know, one of one of the things that struck me from reading this is how distant we've become from literature in all its forms. Mm. Sure, and so we lose that when we go to the Bible and think it's all one flat kind of. You can pull any verse and say anything. So some of those. You know, high school English classes might be worth something you know, in terms of. <laughs> I, yes, I is the classical education guy. Here. Yes. Yeah. Well, how yeah. much literature do people read anymore? Exactly. You know, like exactly. Fr- like I don't read. I read a lot of books like this. You know? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, or internet posts. You know, yeah, I'll read blogs and yeah, yeah short things. And that's that's where I would say I'm with you on the definition of literal. Yeah. You know, that would be my understanding of it. That's that would be what I think Kimball and even ends would ends yeah. would go to as well of going literal reading isn't what we see sometimes in fundamentalist circles. Sure. Right? Um, if I can use that definition, I know it's yeah. That's it's, that's it's, the wooden thing right. that we've run into exactly where it's verbatim word for word English. Uh, how King it's James been trans? Baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then. <laughs> And you go, okay, that's literal. Uh, I don't, I don't think they go there. Um, it, it does not seem that way here. No. Um, yeah. But I think it's really important, Darwin, right. what you pick up, and especially in a book, and what he's, if, right. if I'm being a little critical mm-hmm. of him, of going as much as you're trying to do that, you're gonna, you, you have to do it on all sides. That's right. In a sure. book like this, and. Because you're laying a groundwork that says literal, 
means. Right. <laughs> right. So that was kind of interesting because that's one of the um, the difficult the challenge of do, reading literally is 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 difficult challenge. It's it's challenge it's a challenge to read something um, given the type of literature is and some of the the literature in the scriptures are not, is not a literature style we're used to. Sure, you're also sure. dealing with contextual issues. Um, yep. So I thought it was kind of um, fun um, as, as I read through the book. For example, I think he he misses it totally with Proverbs 31, <laughs> where he talks about um, Proverbs 31 about being um, a wife and, and the woman there and what the woman does. Um, but contextually and historically, um, the woman is an image is um, found in meaning is found in Proverbs one. Um, so or truth, I've got to push back Listen. on you because well, and that's the we yeah. had this conversation before, yeah. Um, and he said it's uh, on one eighteen. Proverbs is a book of collected wisdom, and wisdom is personified as a woman in right. the opening chapters. Proverbs ends with the portrait of okay. a woman. So I, I, I miss that. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> like I. Yeah, I was going to be the both and guy, right? Like so, but that's only because yeah, yeah, we had he, that conversation before, yeah. and I'm a little bit of a I don't I don't know if I saw that. Well, <laughs> but that's the beauty of conversation, like, yeah. and it, it, and again, it's like, oh yeah, I'm not trying to just be a jerk, <laughs> right? No, no, <laughs> but, but I do but, think it's interesting in that passage that he doesn't go on to say that the woman in Proverbs 31 is wisdom, right? Right. He doesn't He's, go and, the extra mile, and so can speak to me as a guy, right? As well sure. as give uh, my daughters, my wife, my mother a, a vision of wise womanhood, right? And I think to your point, well, oh, oh, I would say a picture of wisdom. Yeah, I wouldn't even say a picture of wise womanhood. I wouldn't even mm. go there. Sure, huh? Yeah, let me think about that a second. Because <laughs> I think it, there's wisdom lived out in the meta in the metaphor in the right. presentation of a woman. What he picks up in there is the fact that he uses a woman. Yeah, illustratively yeah. Right. is countercultural. Sure. Right. Oh, I agree like, with that. Like Jesus in Luke 15 with a right. woman who lost a coin. Right. Who's, sure. who's the God figure in this parable? Sure. But yeah, he does He does that interesting thing, though, of like, okay, it's a very small little paragraph. Right. And then goes, oh, wait. And then I think he brings it up a little bit later, and right. that's where it he sticks more in the the woman self, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. herself in the, in the Proverbs passage, but... Well, I I would have to say after after reading this book, I had to go through and clean out my um, coffee cup cupboard. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, what does that mean? <laughs> you had to clean out your coffee cup cupboard. All, all the cups that people have given me over the years right. with, with, um, about his mug overflowing, my mug, yeah. my mug oh. overflowing. <laughs> so, um, so I'm I'm going to go down a, a theological road here. No surprise, um, and and. Page 44. I'll begin yeah. there. Um, he gives us a, um, a diagram of, of the scriptural narrative, um, which is, um, he says in six acts, yep. um, I come in, in our tradition, it's generally been, um, it began with four acts. I think um, the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright um, modified the four acts, I think, in a really helpful way into to five acts. Um, and N.T. Wright said that there's there's creation, there's fall, there's redemption, um, 
and then the fifth act is kind of an interlude in, in the church age, and then the consummation um, at the end. And he says in that interlude that we're basically studying the scripts, we're basically reading scripture, um, and then dis- through the help of the Holy Spirit, discerning how to live faithfully in that context. Um, Kimball gives us um, six acts, um, and he begins again with creation and then fall. Um, but then he says, redemption initiated, redemption provided, mission to all nations, redemption completed. I was just curious, what do you thought of his diagram? Um, so my first response was, uh-oh, are we we talking about the millennium here? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Said, so that's my own little, like, all of a sudden I start uh, seeing diagrams and I'm yeah, going, uh-oh, uh-oh, what's, uh-oh, the, uh-oh. what's going to happen? To the, when's the thousand years come? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll confess I have that same reaction. Once yeah. I got over that. <laughs> right. I, you begin to see what he's laying out. It's, yeah. it's pretty helpful I, for what it is. I like how, in including Israel's story, because I was very, I think, Growing up, I didn't understand our tradition's view, actually, right. of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, or consummation. You know, that was not—I just never really heard that. And right. and I grew up in Christian schools. I mean, that was Sunday school, youth group. That's sure. just, what what's this big narr- biblical narrative? Yeah. Um, but then N.T. Wright kind of stepped in right. and— um, you know, and in, in some of his writing, he'll say creation, fall, Israel, right, redemption, Christ, right. church, yeah, new creation, um, and so because of some of that influence, right. I I was like, oh yeah, that's, you know, I saw it and my mind instantly translated it, um, right. and I like what I did like was redemption initiated, right, um, the role of. Abraham, Isaac, right. Jacob, Israel, you know, being right. part of God's redemption plan. Yeah. Right. Um, redemption provided in Christ. Um, now, I would have loved, since he's using that redemption theme, like yeah. the message of redemption spread or something right. like that through the church. Yeah. Um, and then redemption completed. Complete. Yeah. 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 So, and, I, and I guess I see a little bit more blur between redemption initiated and redemption accomplished in Christ. A, a little more continuity? Well, a oh. lot of continuity. Yeah, yeah. a lot of continuity yeah. and less which, which discontinuity. But, yeah. So which is interesting because I grew up in um, <laughs> in a very in a very interesting strain of theology that I became a Christian in, which was Southern Presbyterian dispensationalism. Yeah. <laughs> you might have to unpack that for our listeners. Well, I will. I will. I will. I will. Does it, not compute. It, it, it does not compute. Well, it does. Com- it does compute. Well, when, when you, it occurred. It, it may occurred. not compute. It may but not it compute. Occurred. It occurred. But but really, it was a whole strain within um, strain within Southern. Yes, within the Southern Church. <laughs> Bill, when what a, talk. When, a, when the Presbyterian Church was wrestling on the doctrine of the authority of Scripture. Um, they looked to people like Lewis Berry Schaefer and others at, at Dallas Theological Seminary um, for guidance. And what happened was that as they looked at them for the authority of Scripture, the dispensational theology kind of made its way into the back door. Yeah. Okay. And so you had this whole strain of Presbyterian churches that were actually dispensational in theology that kind of coexisted along um, the more traditional churches. Any, really fascinating again, southern can you phenomena. Unpack for for people dispensation. 
Like dispensations that. where they, uh, God, uh, I'll make it really simple, that God worked in um, various ways at various times, and when you moved from one time to another, there was a hard and fast line drawn. Okay. And yep. so it no longer applies. And, with, and, those, and how he worked in the past no longer applies to the present. Yeah, yep. you end up yep. with these odd conclusions like, well, that was for the Old Testament dispensation, and it right. has nothing to tell us. Right. That, that gets right. us to yeah. that spot of, well, that was the old. Yeah. This right. is the new. new. And there yeah. is no... There's no and it got into eschatology and all that, but we won't go down that road. Right. Yes. right. It's we'll leave it behind. We will be yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I, I, kinda, a, where, I got a feeling the, that um JB wants to jump in here. The wop, 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 wop. I was just as I was looking at this way they're splitting it up, we're in the story right now. Yeah. As a sermon series. And as far as like breaking up the story, I'm I'm seeing some parallels of how oh, yeah. we just broke up the narrative. Oh yeah. And so it's helpful just following the, the narrative of scripture and time and history and um so I, I thought it's I thought it's helpful in that in that sense. Yeah. But okay, let me take us in a different direction. Okay. This is not squirrel. I'll behave. <laughs> okay. You're the executive. Um, no, we'll no, follow. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he signs so the paychecks. One of the, one is what of the that things means. that that stood out to me in both Ends and Kimball um was neither of them really addressed directly the formational role of Scripture in the person's life and in the life of the community. And it's hard for me to imagine. Yeah. Um, it's hard really for me to imagine um, that that's, that subject can be avoided when you're talking about Scripture and the nature of Scripture. Um, and I get it's not the central focus of their books. Their, their books are about something else. But— I think it'd be really helpful for us to talk about what is the formational role of Scripture, both individually and corporately, um, or within the community. And another way of asking that, as I was thinking, because we've we've bounced yeah. this around a little before we were recording, was how is God at work now through the Scripture? Mm-hmm. It's more than just what I hear in my quiet time alone, but it's what he's doing in my life and in our life together. It, it seems to me that God at work in the Scripture is a key thing to the right. formative yeah. part. Well, and, and I think the question there for me is, um, and it gets to a much larger issue, is is God working primarily through the individual reading of Scripture or through the corporate or community reading of Scripture and study? And is, he, is he building an individual or is he building, building a, church? a community, a church, a sure. movement? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think what's interesting too is both books are kind of coming at it as Westerners, right? Right. Uh, how do I make sense of this book? Which is a very um, and I and I and yeah. I would say that his postlude is his, his attempt to say this book has been very meaningful, and I think right. he, he tries to end there. Um, but yeah, and he even uses words like not just informational but formational. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not the not the focus of the book, but yeah, like the the Bible as meditation literature. Right, right. Yeah, I've I uh, felt like he kind of opened doors that ends didn't. Mm-hmm. He opened doors to get to that formational piece right. and that movement making piece. I would say I think both of them understand an aspect of the formational process of Scripture and the fact that it deconstructs. Mm -hmm. There's a level of deconstruction that has, when we encounter Scripture on its terms, right, God especially, 
and scripture um, to go, it's going to deconstruct our world. Right. Uh, it, it's going to put us back in our, if we allow it to, put us back in our created order. Right. Um, to even use maybe his diagram. <laughs> right. To try to go, this is what God's kingdom looks like, what we look like. So there's a level of allowing, I think both of them do this well in mm-hmm. the standpoint of saying, it's going to challenge you and it's going to, it's going to wreck your brain a little bit and mm-hmm. it's going to, you've got to allow yourself to enter it from a different position, not mm-hmm. a position of you being the Westerner, JB, kind of like, you know, you're talking about with your question, you've got to come. Right. Um, however, now, you know, what, what does that mean? I think both of them would have been radically impacted right. in their faith journey. But like you said, I don't think in our, okay, how did it, how did we get from the deconstruction to to that piece of it? Is there just another book that's needed? <laughs> you know, like for right. from both of them to go. Yeah, I think when we we engage scripture in this way, and and it's it's funny you ask that question because I think it leads us to even our next podcast right. uh, on law and gospel. We'll mm-hmm. we'll get there, right. um, but uh, but the fact that yeah it. The scripture is is more than just information. Right. It's more than just getting the answer to these tough questions. It's it's something that's going to radically change our our posture, our, our personhood, who we are, who we're, whose we are. Um, yeah. And now I'm going off on a trail. So okay, no, no, I, think, <laughs> I, I think I think that's really important because I think when I look at even some of the current debates, we're we're wrestling with in the church. I'm not sure we're asking the right questions. You know, sure, we're asking the right. questions that our culture is asking. Yep. Um, but we're not reframing those questions in a way that's really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, and and therefore we end up talking past each other, or we end up um, trying to have discussions about things where we're talking right by each other. Yeah. Um, and so, what does it? It mean as we look at scripture formationally, what does it mean for us to be formed as a community of people um, that actually may be counterculture? Yeah, it it's interesting. Part of what we part of the answer we have, if, as it were, to the questions our culture is asking is reframing the question, right? And and how reframing it in light of who God is and what He's done. Gives us a whole new vista of of hope and opportunity, even though it's not the answer that's being ex- expected. Right, uh, different than the question, even. Which isn't that interesting? How Jesus did that? I, all, oh yeah, you yeah, know when he got questions and and the questions are really traps, you know, and, and yeah. some of these memes, you know, it's like look at how foolish this is uh, to to reframe it in a way that's yeah. that's creative and challenging and insightful and and not just taking the bait. And yeah, getting right. into a fruitless argument, you know, that's a challenge. Right. I don't know how to—I'm right. not Jesus, clearly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it'd be interesting to see how he would reframe some of the modern questions sure. that are coming our way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and turn them from questions uh, that we have to questions that God is giving us. Yeah. Right. You know, where he's the, the in, in, interrogator, if you will, in, yeah. interlocutor. So question for us okay. in light of that yeah. then of so where does this fit 
in some of that, like where, where is learning to read the scripture, you know, how does, how does that fit into our growth in for, yeah, so I think, uh, being formed by God's well, word and community and so one thing that has struck me as I read this is it's really much easier to read theology because you either agree or disagree <laughs> sure, um, than to read Scripture. And to let the Scripture read you. Yeah, and, exactly. And so, so, so Scripture reads us, but, um, but also along that line, I think that the Scripture is meant to be read in community, and it's meant to be discussed in community, and it's meant to be wrestled with um, in community. And I think it's through that that community reading that, that we're actually formed. Um, but in our, not to be overly simplistic, but in our individualistic culture, we've lost the skill of reading in community. Okay. We've lost the skill of, of wrestling with something in community. Um, and, and the ability, like all the memes that he has in here, and some of them are pretty good. I did like the unicorn one. Um, <laughs> you know, to, uh, where I would say those are an invitation to a discussion. Um, there's they're much more declarations. In other words, okay, so yeah, um, let's talk about unicorn. You know, let's talk about what this meme is saying. Let's go back and look at this actual yeah. text. Let's wrestle with that. Because I think part of the Eastern mind is that the texts are something not to give us information, but the texts are actually something to wrestle with. They were to, to chew over, to, to figure out how the pieces fit together. Um, why throughout the, um, the Old Testament is there a chiastic stru- structure implied in a lot of places? Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you take a story like Ruth— and put it in context and all the other things that were going on around it. And and so how how do you wrestle, you know, with these things in, in ways that are actually helpful? Um, how do you take Paul's letters to the Church of Galatia or Colossae or any really any of the New Testament stuff and wrestle with the different portraits of who Jesus is in say the four gospels? How do you wrestle not trying to line them up and get everything to fit perfectly, but why? But why? And I think that formational role um, becomes most impactful when it involves that wrestling with with the text itself. Yeah, and that's there's. Go ahead. Jim. Well, I was just gonna say, and that's so countercultural, right? To, and yeah. and counter subculture of of the church, even right? Um, you know, because we start getting focused on the unicorn thing and. Like that's not even a question. That I think they were. I mean, that's yeah. just a mis misunderstanding. And we're we're going after the the wrong thing often. Right. Um, I, I I even think about like, and maybe this is just my own problem because I'm I'm terrible at it. But Bible trivia, mm-hmm. uh, right? So we yeah. we we train and and do Bible trivia and all these like obscure little details um, or names or something and. Um, you know, so it's this like source book that we just got to know all the yeah. trivial <laughs> the truths or whatever it, facts in the in the book, and instead of seeing it as formational and looking at some of these deeper things, oh, we kind of bring back of seminary experience. We kinda, so, what's uh, that? Seminary experience. Yours or mine? Mine. <laughs> yeah. Mine. So I don't know about you, but um, when I graduated before I could graduate from Trinity, I had to pass a Bible knowledge exam mm-hmm. that was essentially a Bible trivia exam. Yeah, 
I didn't have to explain how the story unfolded. Right. I didn't have to explain how the parts fit together to form the whole. I had to know um, the name of the left-handed judge. Yeah, Ehud. Ehud. Yeah. Oh, but, we just but did saying, judges. But, but it was a hundred. It was a hundred. King Eglon. It was a hundred <laughs> questions like yeah. that. Yep. yep. And in the end, it didn't demonstrate any sort of Bible knowledge. Trivia. It's trivial. Yeah. It's trivial. <laughs> I, part of my own story, I would say that as part of my gospel renaissance, I had to repent and die to my gospel, my Bible trivia righteousness. Yeah, well, P- put I was down never one good and at pick it. up the other. You nope. never wanted me on your team, and uh, I don't think you wanted J.B. No Christian either. school. <laughs> yeah. I didn't learn all those things. And like when I think about just like the place of this book and the work right. they're doing— I think it's something that helps us get to having healthy right. community conversations right. around the scripture. Like if I was, you know, for for folks who are listening in, you know, if, why why should I read this book? Mm-hmm. Right? right. I think his his whole little four part method, the four facts uh, about how to and how not to read the Bible. Right. right. Yeah, those are great. Number one, the Bible is a library, not a book. Right. So that yeah. leads you into all kinds of different. Styles, everything. Number two, the Bible is written for us, not to us. To us. You, yep. you started us out with that. And then number three, never read a Bible verse. <laughs> right, right. That's good. <laughs> and then four, all of the Bible points to Jesus. Right. right. And and I think he does an excellent job then of saying, right. let's go to some really tough parts of Scripture that actually relate to our culture today. Right. Uh, to go, you know what? The church has been on the forefront um, whether people like to acknowledge this or not, I'm just going to say it. The church has been on the forefront uh, because of the gospel of Jesus, right. because Jesus was on the forefront right. of redeeming women, people of color and of yep. different backgrounds, of bringing together yeah. of things like healthcare in the world, things right. like education. I mean, history backs us up on this. Right. Um, yeah, and, and we can say there's some things we need to repent of. Absolutely. And there's some things we need to do better. But with those truths, really are these things. Yeah. You go to India, and it's Christian hospitals, yeah, not Hindu hospitals. Right. Right. And it because when we take the Bible seriously, seriously. and not just turn it into memes, or not just turn it into something we can use to attack someone with, and that doesn't matter where you're coming from. Right. Yeah. Um, that there now we can engage in community and in a deeper way. But those four things, and then helping you learn to work through yeah. and process. Like for me, as a parent of two teenagers, I go, "This is a book I'd really love to work through with my kids." Oh yeah, because um, right. they could handle. Right. This now they, right. you know, and in some ways, thankfully, where they might kind of laugh at the meme thing because <laughs> might go, oh, dad, you're just old. <laughs> yeah. Well, you but, you know, that's because I am. I'm getting there. So, <laughs> yeah. but as a primer and like a first step. Yeah. Yeah. Encountering yeah. those questions. I, I, I mean, I think it's a great. Yeah. yeah, it's a great book. Yeah. To, and to I read. like the posture with which he did those. It, yeah. It's yeah. not a, let me take this tough thing and I'll show you how to win the argument, then you'll be cool. It's, you know, we can trust the Bible. Here's an honest question. Let's dig into right. it, take it seriously, and here. So I, yeah. I like both his answers and his posture. I'm so thankful he does deals well with the Leviticus chapters on shrimp. 
I needed this when I was with the Cajuns. The redemption of shellfish. I'm going to go home and have some shrimp moscas. Yeah, I'm coming over. You'll want to, man. Mary Lynn makes it. It's wonderful. Let's move on. Sorry. So from here, we jump into a new book, a very different book, Law and Gospel. Yeah, a team team written uh team book, written book. Um, uh by William McDavid, Ethan Richardson and David Zoll. Uh they're part of the Mockingbird uh kind of group right. that's out you can in Charlottesville. Look yeah, you can look them up we're, on we're online. Uh they've got a couple really good devotionals um yeah. that are anchored in understanding grace that it's right. a message we need to hear each and right. every day. Uh but it's a short book uh that I think we've found already Requires more than one read. Uh, it's, it's dense. <laughs> it's it's dense. Not a wasted um, word. Exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, in the relationship of the law, the and as we think about the law, you know, not just the Ten Commandments, things like Leviticus, Leviticus, what, the what, shrimp rules, yeah, the shrimp yeah. rules. Yeah. Um, what's its place um, for us today, and what is the gospel? And so we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. And, you can look again, law and gospel. Uh, I think you can get it on Amazon. You can go to Mockingbird, yeah. get it through them. Uh, William McDavid, Ethan Richardson, David Zoll. Uh, you can get it on Kindle. Um, it's in the Heart of Wyke Library. It's in the Heart of Wyke Library if you're Ooh. here in West Michigan. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, join us. Join us for for that. And uh, yeah. gentlemen, again, uh, good to, good to be around the table. Good yeah. to chat together. And again, I'm Aaron. I'm Bill. I'm JB. And I'm Darwin. God's peace and uh, blessings be with you all.